Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast, where we introduce you to a world of small to medium business acquisitions and mergers. We interview business owners, industry leaders, authors, mentors, and other influencers with the sole intent to share with you what it looks like to buy or sell a business. Let's get rolling. Hello and welcome to HowToExit.com, the How to Exit podcast, talking about mergers and acquisitions. Today, I'm here with Ace Chapman, and I'm really excited about this show today. I've been watching his YouTube channel and consuming content this guy's been putting out for a long time. Ace Chapman has been acquiring businesses for over 20 years. His first business he bought was Online Stock Market Simulator in the early days of the internet. He purchased the website, made some changes, and grew it from 10,000 subscribers to over 250,000 before selling it. Since that initial acquisition, he has built systems around uh, building private equity funds, completing close to 200 deals. Ace has spent years developing his team, investors, and uh, extensive network. In addition, he has developed proprietary due diligence process on acquisitions as well as a, a deal funnel process. He has taken time uh, building relationships throughout the world with people and who will one day be interested in selling their companies. And his process is one of the reasons the majority of his partners return fund after fund. Uh, man, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. And uh, just just welcome, man. Welcome for being here. Yeah, it's, it's really good to be here. You know, I feel like I'm in, in good company. We both have a lot of the, the same friends in, in the space and uh, have worked with, well, worked with some of the other folks that you've, you've interviewed. And so, yeah, really cool. I, I love, like we, like we were talking about just a minute ago, I love talking about this stuff. It's been 20 years. I'm still not tired of it, so always enjoy a chance to to dig into some of the new things that we're up to. Well, let's just start right with your origin story, man. How did you get into this space? Like, what convinced you to buy that first company? And yeah. luckily, it went well because you, apparently you did it after you know 200 more times. So just let's just start right there. <laughs> well, the 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 real news is it didn't go as expected for for sure. Um, and you know, the end of the story sounds pretty good by saying that we sold it, but we sold it at about one tenth of what it was worth at its height. So I'll talk about what that, what happened there. Um, I was in college. I was a a sophomore when I came across this stock market simulator game and, you know, I I was, I just loved the market. I love wall street. I, you know, so if there weren't, there wasn't a a lot of these out there. And so you could play the market, you could win these prizes, uh, depending on how you did. And so I was like, man, this is a really cool concept. Uh, the downside was the site was always crashing. There were always, you know, just customer service issues. Um, we had a forum. Everybody would talk about how they would have issues and they would reach out and just literally never hear back from anybody. And so summer was coming and I reached out to them to to basically see if they wanted to intern for the summer. And uh, this was in the early days. So just the idea of going in and being able to work for this little internet company, like that was exciting um, so I was like, man, you know, saved up money last summer. I'll just go and work for these folks for free. And they responded and they said, hey, we've moved on to a whole nother business. We want to sell this business. If you have somebody who wants to buy the business, you can get them to buy it and then you can intern for them. I'm like, that sounds like a terrible <laughs> offer. Like what? Like me go find you a buyer so that I can get a free job. Like <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like a good deal. But I was really interested 
and the business just like okay you know this internet thing it's it's new like how's this business operating um so this was 1999 and there also just weren't weren't brokers you know i have a my uh, good merger shirt on. And, and so we have a brokerage uh, now where we broker a lot of internet business, do a lot of stuff with Empire Flippers, you know, there's FBI, there's all these different brokers. That just wasn't a thing. And even for the offline brokers, they just, they just like, no, like this isn't even a real business. You know, what, what are you talking about? 20 years ago, they'd laugh at somebody trying to sell a, you know, website as a business. So they um, ended up, you know, sending me all the information. I told them, yeah, like maybe I'll come across somebody who wants to buy it. And they didn't have anybody else that was willing to help them sell it. So they sent all their information to this 19-year-old college kid <laughs> with fingers crossed, I guess. And uh, I got the information. I saw that they were making about $70,000 $70, a year. And I realized that, um, you know, 70,000, like, you know, I had friends that were coming out of college that were making a lot less than that. Uh, and I asked them how much they wanted for the business. And they, they basically said, you know, we'd love to get 60,000. So I'm like, wait a minute, this is, so I would get all the money back in a year. And so the other thing was, I had a lot of friends and, you know, I went to Colgate University, it cost uh, at that point $40,000 a year. Now it's even more expensive, which is outrageous. But people were coming out after spending that much money and making forty, fifty thousand, 50000 And so that was my comparable. Uh, but even having a comparable and thinking this is a good deal, not understanding anything about multiples or, or anything like that, there wasn't even online resources to to figure that stuff out back then. But it didn't really matter because I had three thousand dollars in the bank. And so what what ended up happening was my first uh, again, unbeknownst to myself, my first LBO, uh, where I, I got them to finance uh, half of it. Uh, basically, you know, again, just going back to them like, hey, if I came up with half the money, can I pay the rest of it over a, a, a longer period of time? And they said, yeah. Uh, and then I had a buddy who liked the business as well and wanted to invest and then uh, put some credit card money together for the rest of it, which put me about $15,000 worth of credit card debt. Um, but, you know, the, the first part of the story was was amazing. You know, they hadn't been paying attention to the business. It was a lot of low-hanging fruit. Um, they did have another opportunity that that they were really excited about, but I just got to work doing the simple things and uh, grew the business, quit college, end up, um, you know, getting that that experience of um, hiring employees, raising capital, um, and so everything was killer for us us old heads. We'll remember uh, two thousand one, two thousand two uh, was the dot com bubble bust. And most of our um, sponsors, you know, we basically operated off for sponsorships. Most of our sponsors uh, slowly just started going out of business, going bankrupt. It was like we were kind of at the end because we had low costs. But, you know, in the 2001, 2002, we, we made it for a while uh, until like they were just all all going away. And then but we did have this big database of young people. And this is something that's interesting just when you're thinking about uh, what business you go into, you know, if, if you can have a, uh, a database of people that are just valuable um, that in, in you're in a space where people 
uh, are willing to pay a lot of money to acquire, looking at what's, what's the cost, of, what's the acquisition cost of these people. Um, that's where we were. So we did a deal with uh, what's now TD Ameritrade. They, they made some acquisitions over the years uh, and mergers, but uh, we sold that database to them. And I was depressed, you know, had this business. My view of entrepreneurship and being successful at that point was you, you start a business or you're in a business and you're going to run it forever. You know, it was Microsoft. It was uh, Apple. You know, Mark Zuckerberg wasn't even a thing then. So it's just more of these old school folks where it's like, you know, the way you do this or the way you get successful is you, you have that one business that you're going to run for you know, your, your life and it turns into this big thing. Um, and so I ended up, um, you know, selling for a, a kind of dirt cheap price, ended up going and, and uh, working at SunTrust and mortgages uh, for a while. And it just clicked one day. It's like, I wonder if I could just buy a mortgage company. Because I didn't see myself as a business buyer. I didn't see that as a thing. Um and so sure enough, there was a mortgage company in my city that was for sale. And that was when that was it didn't click until that second deal that I realized, oh, I could just go out and buy these businesses. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be that I have to have this one thing I could buy them. I could sell them. I should have sold that one when it was worth 10 times. I should have sold it early. And so I was able to look back and learn a lot of those lessons that I just didn't have the perspective to be able to learn while I was in the middle of it. So just, uh, I guess it was just this week, we actually interviewed Adam, hasn't even came out uh, on the, the podcast side of it. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, it'll be right before this show. But uh, Adam Coffey actually wrote the book, uh, Private Equity Playbook, and uh, he's really talked about it. But our show was really about like how to sell to private equity, what they're looking for. It sounds like, you, you know, you, you're an expert on creating a fund, right? You, uh, you, you talk about that in some of your, your videos and stuff. Let's kind of talk about that space and like, what does it look like to you know, start an equity fund or private equity fund? Yeah, so that did come years later. Um, yeah. You know, so I it took a while for me to understand the value of creating a fund. You know, I um, was buying and selling businesses. And, you know, Baltimore's coming, end up doing a home investor franchise. I shout out. It doesn't have the name, but someone just uh, popped in and said, I, I love Ace. He was once known as the go-to guy for tanning salons. So in the <laughs> 10-year period before I get, I, I got into to funds, like did a roll-up of, of six tanning salons, uh, which that was, the, uh, you know, just as a, a funny story, the first time. I ever walked into a tennis salon. And, and if you're watching the video, you'll understand why. <laughs> uh, first time I ever walked into a, a, a tennis salon, I walked out the owner because um, it was just this amazing deal. I learned a lot about the industry. And so I saw this unique opportunity. And uh, so did, did that. So over the course of 10 years, I'm doing all these deals. And then I, I, I meet someone who ends up becoming uh, a mentor, my, my most important mentor, Got Mike Aiken, who flipped hospitals, and um, he was one of the people that started to just really change my vision of like how this whole world worked. Even going back to my very first deal, you know, one of the things that he made me realize, like, yeah, like my first deal failed. You know, we we didn't really exit at a at a good price and that kind of thing. It's like, okay, like what were the numbers and how much you buy it for? It's like bought it for like sixty thousand. 
It's like, okay, and like, how much did you make over the the three years that you ran it? And it's like, oh, about, um, you know, close to 300. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's, that's a success. And so, you know, again, just seeing things differently where, whereas, you know, um, I think most people look at business from the, the perspective of a business owner, um, what I've grown into through the funds and, and through uh, mentors like Mike was, was to really see it almost like a trader. You know what I mean? To, to really see it from that uh, I quadrant uh, of being an investor and, and no investor is upset that they turned $60,000 $60, into $300,000. Um, you, you know, so that, that, that was the beginning of that, but still, you know, he's telling me you need to get this into a private equity fund format. And I'm just like, what are you, what are you talking about? Then I had an, another, uh, friend and, and mentor, uh, Noah, who was telling me kind of the same thing. I'm like, y'all are crazy because like right now I'm doing these deals and I get to keep all the money. <laughs> and you're telling me to do these deals and give some of the other people some of the money. I'm like, it does, I'm not a mathematician, but I can get all the money or I can get some of the money. I think I'm going to stick with all the money. <laughs> now, at that point, were you doing LBOs? Like you, you're doing loans and debt and to structure it? Yep. Yep. Okay, so cool. at that point, I was, um, you know, buy, I, I, I was doing all of the funding myself. Uh, I might raise a little bit of equity capital. But, you know, I was funding through, um, you know, in a lot of cases, debt. Um, and again, it just it works. It worked really, really well. Uh, it still works really, really well. And so I just didn't see from my perspective, OK, what what is this fun thing? Like, why would I why would I do that? Um, but fortunately, um, you know, I, I had some folks who basically said, hey, we're just going to go along this path. Let's just try it. Let's do a small million dollar fund and, and see um, you know, just how, how it goes. I'm like, all right, we can, we can try it out. And it's one of those things that until I did it, I didn't really see the, the, the benefits. Um, but it just became really obvious. You know, the, the first thing was, um, you know, wow, like I've done all these deals and now for the first time I'm building a track record. You know, if I'm going to do something, why not build and audit, you know, I'm working as we're putting it together and work with the auditor. I'm like, so yeah, so after this process, like I'll have this audited track record. And so now, like, is that me just doing these one-off things? I got to go to the bank, got to convince them. I got to go to these other folks, get some investment money. Like now I've got this um, audited uh, track record. The other thing that was um, really kind of, of, of interesting to me was the tax benefits. <laughs> So here I was just out there, out here hustling and making money and getting taxed like crazy. And meanwhile, I could uh, basically be a GP and, you know, I won't try to give tax advice here, but suffice to say, I was paying a lot less taxes on the deals that I was doing within the fund uh, over, and, instead of the deals that I was just doing out there on my own. Um, and so it just over time became clear that, OK, there are some benefits to me doing things within this this fun structure. Uh, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, when when you look and you see who are the biggest people that are buying and selling businesses, um, they're doing it in a, in a private equity fund structure. And uh, there, there's a reason why. <laughs> So I was going to ask you if there was an epiphany moment, like where you're like, oh, I got to do this fun thing. But it sounds like they actually convinced you, like, hey, let's just 
let's do one and see what you think, which is kind of interesting. A lot of people end up in business that way. It's kind of an accidental approach. Like, you know, I hear a lot of people when I talk to them, like, why did you start the business or how did you start it? Like, well, I thought I could do it better than the boss. So, and I was really frustrated. So I went out on my own and tried. You know, or I'm saying it's like I I started doing this for a couple of friends. The next thing I know, I had four people, and then the next thing I had ten customers, and I thought I better make a business out of it. So in that realm, it sounds like you kind of had a couple of friends. It's like you really got to go down this path, and we're going to help you go down this path. And you know, now you can you know call, you know call those guys back and go. That was an absolute blessing because you figured it out. You've repetitively done it. It looks you know you you said you've done over 200 deals. You know, so I imagine a, a majority of those are inside of this fund structure. Yeah. So that was about 10 years ago. And, and oh, since then, um, you know, I've done seven funds just on my own. And um, I, I basically realized, OK, I had a couple of, of things that happened. I, I ended up doing um, kind of even after that, that first fund, it went well. You know, one of, one of the really cool things was the realization that, OK, like I, it's not that difficult for me to, to generate these really amazing uh, returns from the perspective of those investors. Um, you know, even my worst deal, that first deal of turning the 70 into uh, 300, of course, of, of uh, three years, like that was a failure for me. <laughs> so for us in this space, what we're used to generating, like they're just like, what in the world? So um, did the first couple of funds. Then I did a $5 million fund and that one got oversubscribed. And so uh, for those listening, oversubscribed just means there are more more people want to invest than the, the the money that's available. So ended up raising it and saying, okay, you know, I had friends um, contacted me and, and just saying like, hey, like you know, I've got this guy, he's a friend, like I really want you to get him in. So we pushed it to seven, uh, and then pushed it to nine, <laughs> and then pushed it to literally twelve before shutting everything off. And just said, no, like I could not take any more. Um, and that was one of the greatest lessons because um, I got to see the difference between doing a two, three million dollar fund and the, and the power of those smaller funds in the micro space. Uh, what happens is with some of the larger deals that you're doing right now, private equity, larger private equity funds are coming down. And so they're very happy with a 10% return. And if you're in search for ROI, then you don't want to compete with people who are willing to take, you know, one fifth the ROI that you're looking for, you know, like, um, you know, last fund that we ended last year did a 300% return. We can't do that if we're competing for deals with people that are happy to do a 12%. They're static about a 12% return. So it's important that we stayed really, really small. And so we had these two choices. When Once I got the, the 12 million, it's like, all right, I can go out. I can do uh, a lot more uh, smaller deals, which that just gets tough to uh, to manage and to, um, to to acquire. You know what I mean? So to, to really keep a high standard and get those deals done. Um, and, or I can do larger deals and then I'm competing with people that don't want to get the kinds of returns that, that I want to get. Um, and with the, with the structure of how I was earning as a GP, um, you know, if I didn't make those really high returns, it just wasn't as attractive. Right? You're, you're, you seem like you're about to ask a question on that. Well, we had a, a user out there to ask that said, uh, you know, it said, wow, very enlightening, but. Creating a fund sounds very intimidating. Mm. 
And I get that. I kind of, you know, and at the surface level, I see the ads now because I'm in the space and people are always advertising, create your own fund. And it's yeah. always seemed like that's a big project we'll learn later. So could you break down some of that intimidating? Can you, can you go through a couple of like, I wouldn't say the detailed steps, but the high yeah. level, yeah, what, it, what does it look like to create something like that and maybe dispel the myth that it's like really intimidating? Yeah, I, I think what one of the first steps to that is breaking down what the person really thinks is intimidating. Um, because most things, you know, I think part of even buying a business, it was interesting because, you know, like I said, going back 20 years, it's the same response that I got when I first started talking to people about buying businesses. Um, you know, I would tell people like, oh, I'm buying business. I would literally have people say, oh, you can't do that. And, <laughs> like, and so I love when people say that. Like, <laughs> my natural response is, no, you can't do that. I do it all the time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, um, you know, as you as you break down those benefits of like, no, like this, you know, the same way that you go out and you buy a car and you don't try to build the car from scratch, the same way that you go out and you buy this, this uh, house, you don't try to buy the house, and you go and you get the financing. And what you realize that the intimidation factor for a lot of folks when it comes to buying a business was they just didn't know anybody who had done it. You know, there's some people that are intimidated by buying a house. The idea of buying a house is intimidating. But that's because they didn't grow up in a family where maybe the parents did buy a house. You know, they don't even have an uncle who, who bought a house um, where they're just in the conversation. And so just being around people where you're talking to people and they're talking about an appraisal. So you have an idea. OK, well, that's a part of the step in buying a house. And, you know, if I'm going to get uh, a loan, it's, it's called a mortgage. And I'll go to the bank and I can get that and they'll loan me a, a part of it. I may have to put down 10 percent. You know, you just have a frame of reference. And so for. um private equity is the same thing. It's just being a part of those conversations. And so it's not even that it's, you know, it's like you could tell that person that's intimidated by buying a, a, a business, like, no, like it's easy. And, you know, you just go and you get a loan and, da, 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 and it's like, okay, no, that's too much at once. What I found though is, is as you do surround yourself, like now, um, you know, to kind of get to a little bit of the end, end of, of where we are, um, I created a, a, a incubator called the Private Equity Fund Incubator for that very reason, because I don't think it's even a good idea to try to learn this by going through some videos or trying to read <laughs> a book or, or that kind of thing. You need to be a part of the conversations. You need to understand, you know, because it's not just about setting it up. It's about managing it. It's about having the proper distributions. It's about managing your, your investors uh, on the back end, managing the deals, exiting the deals the right way. There's a lot of specific strategies that really, unfortunately, I did have to learn uh, on my own, like I was learning buying businesses 20 years ago. But um, as you get around that, it's the same thing as being around people who go from intim being intimidated for, about buying a, a house uh, to, you know, owning like you, a, a lot of real estate and uh, a portfolio and, and, and that kind of thing. The more you're around, I, I saw somebody even mention RIA. Um, you know, I was part of the, the RIA back when I owned the Homebester franchises. And, you know, same thing. There's just so much value in yeah. getting around other people that are doing what you want to do and doing it successfully. And so that's what we've built with the with the incubator, we just had our our sixth 
uh, fund that's been incubated. Very proud of, of our fund five, where we had um, four uh, women uh, who are the GPs of, of that um, fund. And so and now we're, we're about to start seven, but we take them through the process of, you know, here, here's how funds work. Here are the case studies. Here's historically, you know, in the first 90 days. And then we, we build, we literally build a, a fund from scratch. That's awesome. So you, now you're in the space where you can help somebody else build a fund. You can actually do build funds for acquisitions and mergers. Uh, what's the, uh, I mean, I, 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 you have an initial, it's not like, um, maybe I missed it, but what's like, what's the range of funds that you would recommend somebody like just wanting to do uh, roll-ups or, or, or acquisitions and mergers uh, to, to create? Is there, you sound like there was a sweet spot that was easier to operate in inside for, of there? Yeah, it does depend. I mean, it's not as if those uh, funds that are doing, uh, you know, 15, 20% returns aren't making money. My, it's, it's more of a personal thing. So for mm-hmm. my preference, I really love a small, short-term fund. So we're doing like two-year funds. Oh, cool. You know, you're doing something, you know, and so it's it's not so much that it's like, oh, this is the right way to do it or, or that kind of thing. It's, it's you know, what are your personal preferences? I don't, I, a nightmare for me would be managing a 10-year fund, but that's a, a personality thing. You know, I want to be able to get in. We're doing literally two-year funds, um, you know, three million in, in, or less um, in, in that fund, and we're trying to kill it. You know what I mean? We're trying to get... Uh, literally tri- triple. Uh, I, I had we're we're in uh, Pefi six or something. We're, we're doing some. Uh, we're, we're closing on a deal, and they were calculating what the ROI should be with with those with my fellow GPs that are, are in that incubator. And uh, one of the guys like, yeah, like I've, I've gone through these numbers like a bunch of times, but I just can't. It's not coming up right because this is their their first deal. They're closing. He's like. I'm like, well, what's going on? Like, what's up with the numbers? He's like, well, you know, I've got this in here. That looks right. I've got this in here. That looks right. But, you know, when we get to the end, it's a 456% return. It's a shout out to, to Jeremy. He, he's the person that was going through this. Like, it's 456% return. Like, no, that's this can't be right. Like, I'm missing something. I'm like, no, like, that. that's right. Like, that's what we're, you know, like, hopefully we get that. But we want to at least have that as the potential so that we can generate the the kind of returns that Pepe One did. So how do you get paid as the fund owner? I know you get a management fee of a point or two. I mean, that's a typical structure. And do I, 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 I've seen some of the funds that I'm, I'm listening to Adam's book on, and he covers a little bit of how the funds operate. And he, he says that, a lot of them, they get a management fee, and then the the investors are guaranteed up to a certain rate before they get a success fee. So, how do you structure? Do you do a management like a two percent management fee and a success fee at the end, or as yes, as that's a, one of the important things? And that's why I like doing my funds the, the way that that I do them is uh, I, I don't charge a management fee. Okay. So I do everything on performance. So that means that, you know, if I can go in and we just absolutely kill it, then I'm, um, you know, my upside is, is really huge. So uh, the investors will typically get the first eight, nine. Now inflation is a little bit higher. So maybe 10 percent in, in some cases. So we get they get the first 10 percent. After that, we end up, uh, you know, in most cases doing a 50 50 split with the LPs. 
So, um, you know, if we're literally, if we're doing a, a 300% uh, ROI, then that becomes, you know, the basic numbers, you know, 140 essentially to us, 150 to, to them. Um, so that is uh, uh, kind of what, what motivates me to get excited about uh, doing those funds. I think the other thing that, you know, and this just goes to, as I got into this, my realization even 10 years ago, I think that, you know, eventually we basically all have to get really good at managing our money. You know, at the end goal, we're going to end up as a fund manager. <laughs> it just so happens that your only uh, uh, fund is your nest egg. And so for most people, whether they're an entrepreneur, whether they're, uh, you know, an, an employee, whatever, they're saving up their money. And then one day they want to stop working and they become a fund manager. I get and it. That's, that's an interesting uh, alignment there, right? Yeah. There's one very bad thing about it. They've never managed the fund in their life. <laughs> and now they've got to manage the most important fund of their life, which is their nest egg. And they know nothing about how to, to, to oversee and, and, and manage that. Um, and, and even more scary is if they lost that nest egg, the only way that they knew to build that nest egg back up was to uh, work for 40 years or, or have a business for 20 years or 30 years or whatever. And so now they're going back and they, they, they have to figure that out. And so one of the things, you know, again, you know, they're just kind of, it just, all these things started to click as I'm in it. But one of those things was, this is the most important skill set that, that, that you could have is, you know, that power uh, to manage and oversee it. But the other thing is, if you are going to spend time getting a skill set, why not understand how to, um, to to raise the capital, and instead of being a, instead of having to spend twenty years to build that nest egg and then make an earning? What at the end of the day, we, we all want to be able to live just off the returns of that fund. This is just skipping that. It's it's kind of the ultimate hack to the end. So you're skipping that process and getting to the end where it's like, all right, I could just raise a fund in five years and, you know, hopefully it does go really well. But if I get really good at this, then I don't need to spend the 40 years to be able to then figure out how to manage my nest egg fund. Um, I just get good at that now. And then I'm still making the returns off of that fund. But it just happens to be that the nest egg is someone else's money. It doesn't have to be my money. I got that. So one of the questions that just popped up from a LinkedIn user, and it didn't say their name, it just says LinkedIn user. Let's see if I actually, I think I can click it on the screen so everybody can see it. Did it show up there? So uh, they're asking if you know, like all you're doing is micro deals. So what is this? Just because like your your funds are two and $3 million or $5 million, that doesn't mean the deals are that size, right? Because you're using, you can, I mean, you can negotiate buying the, right? You, yeah. could, you could buy a $100 million company and they only need a million dollars down and you could fund it with the fund. I mean, technically, right? Exactly. exactly. So, so having a, a, a what he's referring to as a micro fund doesn't mean you're doing micro deals, correct? Exactly. And and one of the reasons you can get really good returns is using as much leverage as possible. So um, it, this it's a combination. So you know I love the micro deals as well. Um, it's one of those things where it really is. A, some people ask, you know, what are the types of industries that um, you guys are doing deals in? 
And, you know, it's been across. Like if you look at our recent deals, we're doing uh, a, a second deal on the animation business right now. We've got a business that's in the, that is a lender uh, essentially and has a portfolio of loans, which, you know, you, that come, you're, you're, you do a lot of that. So um, we're buying a business that has that, that portfolio of loans. So from animation studio to, to uh, finance, uh, to we have a, a business in the, I guess you say music training space. Um, you know, it just it just is so many e-commerce. Um, you know, just across the across the board. Um, we're doing a deal right now on that offline deal. That's a franchise. Um, so it, it's the the cool thing is what we're going in, and and even that measurement when I was mentioning Jeremy a second ago that he's doing. What we're looking for is is literally ROI. And what you understand, I think one of the other keys, and there's, there's so many of these things, you know, even when I'm talking about the being the, the nest egg manager or fund manager or whatever, but, you know, one of the other interesting things that, that we go through in the training is thinking about this like a private equity fund manager. You can't really like even that that question is more like an M&A person or more like a business owner. And really private equity is just a totally different uh, thing. So the best private equity fund managers uh, in the world, most of them have never owned a business in their life. And it helps them. It's almost a detriment. If you've owned a business, you're going to think like a business owner and you're just not going to be a good fund manager. I saw a lot of, even when we have people that have owned businesses before, I'm literally having to train them out of thinking about things like a uh, a business, owner, you know, kind of, and you know, it's just so many levels to it. But the 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 best people in the space, they're coming from uh, finance, they're coming from investment banking, they're coming from a different thing. They don't, they're not coming from actually buying businesses themselves in most cases, they're even owning a business themselves in, in most cases. So, and then some of the people who have done that have been some of the biggest failures in 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 the space because it's a much different way of thinking. I think one of the things that a lot of people, because they've done an amazing job of um, amazing job of of p of managing kind of the the PR around private equity, most people will forget that private equity comes from corporate raiders. So, corporate raiders got such a corporate rating and raiders got such a bad name in the '80s that they had to come up with a way to switch it. Uh-huh. You know the. <laughs> Dan Bilzerian's dad, a lot of these people who are out there doing like crazy stuff. And it did got it got better. It's not like they were doing a lot of the the craziness they were doing back in the day. But private equity, the reason you don't hear about corporate raiders anymore is because it's called private equity. <laughs> I got it. So let's just look at the logistics a little bit, just because uh, I, I know these I've got uh, Stan on here. He's a friend of mine uh, through some of the, the mentoring I've done. He's in, in some, done some of the same mentoring and uh, some of these other guys. Let's look at the logistics. Are we, uh, when we set up a private equity fund is, is that like a private placement memorandum or is there a different set of legal documents yeah. you got to do? Great question. So what, what is a fund? A fund is a, uh, a couple of agreements. One is the general partnership. So general partners, those are all of the managers. When we uh, are doing our incubator, each time we bring in four folks that partner with me and we all act as the GPs. GPs are always going to put up 
uh, some amount of money. And, you know, the more that the GPs are putting into the deal, the more that it gives confidence to the LPs. Uh, so you've got two things that, that are going to give them confidence. One is, one is track record. The other is, you know, are you, you know, heavily invested? So in, in our uh, GPs, usually I'm going to take control. So I put up half more than half of the money. So I basically match whatever the other GPs in the incubator are putting up. So we basically serve as the GPs. The other part of the fund is the LPs. So you have these LPs, each of those, you know, it's, it's uh, limited partners. Each of those people are investors in the fund. So they're going to have their share of the fund uh, based on how much they put in. They're, they don't have to do any work. But it is really powerful. And this is one of the things that I, I, again, just learned over time. It's really powerful if you can get LPs who, number one, are really interested in the fund and have connections, expertise or, or whatever. You know, it's kind of bad, but they want to they want to be successful. And, and that, that becomes a little bit of um, free labor. Like I've, I've had uh, just <laughs> some outrageously bright uh, LPs. And I think one of the unique things about our space is just, a, it's just so much, but they're, one of the things that's really unique is for a lot of these people, they want to be able to tinker with smaller businesses, but they don't have any motivation or reason to, to do it, but it's a really fun for them. And so I've had people that have net worth of a hundred million dollars have absolutely no reason to be, you know, in the weeds on our uh, watch e-commerce, you know, few million dollar business, but it's fun for them. And when you can give somebody that outlet to, for them to be able to go back, you know, 30 years to when they were just getting started, that's a whole nother ROI that just can't be measured. And one of the biggest, you know, kind of benefits. But the other thing is there's nowhere else to get access to that type of uh, investment. So when you're looking at those LPs, you're trying to figure out who are the LPs that are going to get excited about this. And so one could just be excitement because it's fun. The other side could be um, where else are you going to go to get, you know, in a time that we're living in right now where inflation is absolute nuts and um, everybody's trying to get as, as diversified a portfolio as possible and get some exposure to as many different asset classes as possible. One of the asset classes that is near impossible to get access to is the small business um, arena. And so by trying, everybody wants, it's so funny because everybody wants to get the bigger and bigger and bigger deal. And it's like, no, the opportunity is giving those people who are investing in the bigger deals access to this smaller micro market. Um, and, you know, you got the, the Russell 5000, which is a joke, and there's just nowhere else to get access to this. And so, you know, what one of the reasons that I end up creating the incubators that there's a plethora of LPs that are out there and want to put money in this space. What's missing is the talent to go out there and put the, the money to work. Um, so you've got the LPs. Under the LPs, we're going out and we're acquiring uh, these businesses. We put those into LLCs and uh, that's what the actual assets will sit in. So it's a very, you know, when you break down the actual structure, it's a very simple structure. It's easy to do. Those agreements are easy. The tougher part is the actual strategies around managing the fund and generating really great returns. Now, <clears throat> these GPs and LPs, are they all accredited investors? Yeah. So I only deal with the, the GPs um, are really the, the hustlers. So they don't have to be accredited. They're doing the work. 
Uh, LPs, I really only deal with uh, accredited investors. The reason I ask is uh, coming from the real estate invest investment space, I can tell you I'm absolutely positive. There's good investors and bad investors. Um, I had a, I had a, a, a couple of uh, ladies that I met at a event where they were learning. It's funny. I used to raise money going to events where people are learning to be private investors. I mean, private lenders. So I'd go to the private lending event and like, you know, because I wanted to learn some of that too, but it was mostly because I meet everybody in the room trying to learn that and go, by the way, I've got yeah. six houses lined up to buy, you know, are you interested in funding them? And uh, I've walked out of the room on some of those meetings with a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in investing. I did that out of Texas once and I, I got 200 K from a, 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 a couple Asian ladies, which were, they were good people until I had their money. And uh, I, it was a horror story. I mean, it was just absolutely not because of any thing other than they just were new at this. Um, yeah. I'll give you an example. The day we closed, they wired the money. I closed and bought two houses with the money, the $187,000 they loaned. I bought two houses here in Tulsa with it. The day we closed, after they wired the money, we closed. I get this phone call going, hey, I'm at the airport. I was like, okay, where are you flying? No, I mean, I'm at the Tulsa airport. I flew into town. I want to go see my houses. I was like, first of all, you're the lender. They're not your houses. You're the bank. And second of all, what are you doing in town? Well, you know, my partner wants me to come up and check out the houses we bought. And it's like, that was a mentality, right? And the next yeah. thing I know, she was like, hey, uh, my son's coming up there for the summer and he's an intern with you. I was like, no, he's not. Like, didn't even ask, right? But this was the mentality, right? It was just like this constant, you know, they would call me and try to, it's like, hey, we need to, you know, go to those houses and send me uh, photos of your, uh, of your progress. And I was like, you're not, you're not a hard money lender loaning me money to fix these houses up. You basically are the bank. So it was one of those, there are bad investors out there. They, uh, and technically she, you know, I could have, she, she offered to loan me more money when we closed those deals and uh, they had 5 million in cash sitting there. I was like, no, nah, I'm not interested. It was just such, it was a, you know, I'd never had an investor where I like, I borrowed money to buy some houses and I was on the phone with them three times, three hours a week, just managing them. Right. Yeah. And so that I, like, ROI is horrible. <laughs> I say, I know for a fact there's a such thing as a bad investor. So uh, as you're going through your, your get your general partners and your limited partners, is there a, like an interview process you go through to like, is this going to be a good fit for me and to work with these guys? Or what's your pro uh, process for selecting people, you know, like, and trust, <laughs> you know, benefit the, the fund and benefit you as a, as a human being. And don't, what I refer to as, you know, they're uh, time vampires. They basically, uh, they don't suck the life out of you. with like, you know, needing your time. Yeah. So part of that does come from it. I'm, I'm glad that I got into the space the way that I did. Um, because, you know, it was basically with feet dragging. And so, you know, it was just known and very clear that, I, hey, I don't even really want to do this. <laughs> I'm doing this as a favor, you know. I'm, and, and, you know, the other part of that was really saying no to more people than I let in. And, and it's really interesting if you watch, uh, like, the show Billions, um, where, you know, if, if you're good, at what you do and you know the strategies around it it's kind of interesting but yeah like they the, the people the investors will have to spend more time convincing you to let them invest and why you should let them invest than they would uh than than you even trying to to filter them so you know you're trying to figure out the best and so that's what i was talking about even with lps like one of the things that i'm looking for in the lp is like they're selling me i'm not really even selling them 
So like, what are your connections? Can you get us deal flow? Can you get us good strategic partnerships? Are you willing to provide advisory services when we acquire a business? Uh, like it's like your, your, your money isn't enough. You know what I mean? It, 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 for most people that, that listen, you know, when I tell people this, and even when people first come into the incubator, it's like, no, like, the, the, you know, for, for a lot of people, which is, it's, it's counterintuitive. They just printed endless trillions of the stuff. Like the commodity is not money. The commodity is not money. It's not a commodity. It's more of it than freaking rice. They're just printing it out. They can create it, you know, quick, quicker and easier than, than most things on earth. So the, the value is your ability to generate an, an ROI. So the money is endless. Like there's, and then right now with inflation, you know, you think about the person that's worth a hundred million dollars. They're desperate to get a return because next year if they don't have it working you know just like those ladies even though they're giving you a headache they still want to get their money to work because the next year that it's eight million if, if which is a low end of where inflation is eight million of that hundred million is in the wind so um yeah you, you, you want to understand um how to create that that dynamic because i, I would never want to uh, run or create a fund where I'm actually trying to go in and and raise the money. Like, I, yeah, like uh, it sounds weird, but like I literally have not. Um, I think even just from the beginning, like I've never raised money. I think the the last time where I will raise money, and this is interesting, but where we've raised money and did hustle is like if we're selling a, a deal. So we had a deal uh, where we had invested. Uh, and we took that business through WeFunder and did a crowdfunding raise. And so, but that was at the exit of that business and we hustled raising capital, but I've, I would never hustle or try to, you know, like really aggressively raise capital. It's more just like, hey, we got this. If you think you can add something to it, we'll consider allowing you to be an LP. That's interesting. So on exit, you are raising funds. Were you raising funds that help the acquirer be able to pay you? Ah, so that's so that, that's actually a, a kind of a fresh thing. Like, look, you're the right fit for this. You don't have the money. I'm going to reach out and actually, you know, spend a little effort and help you raise the money to buy this because I'd love it to land in your lap. That that's that's the first time I've heard anybody out of 25, 30 people I've interviewed and probably a hundred people I've you know said in the Zoom calls with in this space. It's a little secret. It's yeah, definitely it's just like a that, little, that's it's a, it's a game changer for for sure. Like, I mean, because oh. you think about it, uh, like you could really run across somebody who's almost there with the funds or like has half the funds, but you absolutely know that if it's in their hands, it's in great hands. So I can see that. I can see where like it's smart to uh, like, look, you know, I'll give you a hand here. So Stan asked, one of the things he did ask is where's the best, what's the best tip for how to get started creating a fund? You know, I would say reach out to Ace and have him help you start one. But what would you say is the, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I want to go through like, you know, our process is a very specific process and we take you through the, the incubator. But if you're going to try to build one on your own, I, I do think that the stuff that I did before is what um, led me to, to being able to do the fund. And, and so I like doing those deals, raising capital for on a deal by deal basis 
is the way that you're able to start that fund. You don't want to start a fund from scratch and you've never built relationships with investors. You've never gotten you know returns to those investors. So while I just went a long time, so you know I had years where they're telling me like, hey, you should do this, you should do this. And I still was just like, no, like I'll let you put a little capital in on this deal. I don't need to do that fund thing. Um, but I think that that is where to start is get get some deals under your belt and um, give a good return. And then, you know, once you're ready to, to raise your fund, um, you're, you've got those contacts, you've got experience. Uh, you know, I think even that's just a nightmare if you if you don't if you've never really done done deals. Uh, and then it gets more and more complicated, you know, like um, the other thing that we're aggressively raising capital for is uh, I just took a company public uh, called Fiji. And so in that case, again, it's just like going through those steps is what allows you to do um, the the future things. And so, you know, I wouldn't try to rush like it. We do have a specific process with the uh, incubator, but I'm glad that I went through each of these stages because taking Fiji public was um, just, you know, it's like everything else time, times 10. And so that was a, a lot of work. So I get it. <clears throat> the um, th- This is a wide open space. I- I've met at least two people on the show. Uh, I just interviewed one yesterday. Uh, times, yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, he's he's in acquisitions and mergers. He does turnarounds. But <clears throat> he, in the last year, they've created two funds, and both of them are around $100 million. One here, in, one in, here in the United States and one in uh, Australia, I believe, is what the second one is. I might be messing that up. But, uh, you know, what you're talking about seems, you know, it is taking them a long time to get those up and running and a, a lot of work, it sounds like. Um, I don't have time, Ron. Life is too short to spend, uh, you know, and, and it's, again, it's, it's great. That's a great model. It takes a, it's a long time to get those up and running. Um, it's just, everything is, is things that I don't want to do. Yep. <laughs> You've got to negotiate with those, like with my investors, my LPs, like it's the non-negotiable. Like our terms are not with a hundred million dollar fund. You've got sophisticated investors. They're getting their attorneys. Those attorneys are calling your attorneys. They're debating. They want to change stuff in the LP agreement. They want these funds. You know, it's just, it, it, it's such a different um, world that, uh, you know, if I'm going to deal with again, and, and that's why I kind of mentioned the taking the company public. So if I'm going to deal with that and, you know, again, I don't want to get into the weeds, but um Bottom line is, if I'm going to deal with that much headache, it's going to be in my own public company I'm a CEO of, not to do a fund. Not, right. not to do a fund. That's way too much headache, but to, to each his own. I get it. Um, so we've been in this, for, we're, we're right at the 50-minute mark. We're going to have to start wrapping up the show. Uh, we covered a lot of topics and stuff. Is there anything like we really missed? Like, man, we probably should tell them this. Uh, one thing that comes to my mind is a lot of people think that when you create a fund, people have to wire your money and you got money sitting there. That's not true, oh, right? That's a it's a pledge. Like it's a co- contractual pledge that's saying I pledge a uh, million dollars to your fund and it doesn't get wired or transferred until there's an acquisition on the table. Is that correct? That's correct. And so I'll give, uh, give another little quick uh, kind of expert level tip. Something that's interesting, and this is something that happened in, in one of the peppies is um, you know, the you can pledge whatever. It doesn't mean that we're going to use all the money. 
And so, for instance, one of the guy, one of the GPs that was uh, a part of the program, really killed it because, um, you know, we have a minimum that everybody basically, all the GPs uh, are going to put in twenty five thousand. And he basically decided, hey, I want to put in 150 because I just like what, what we're doing. Well, it turns out that with leverage and everything, we did we, we only uh, ended up calling about 50 percent of the money uh, because we might refinance, take that cash back out. And now we've got more capital to go and reinvest. And so uh, if you if you play the game right and you know a little bit about the strategy, there is kind of some chess to be played, even with your commitment. So he only put up about 75, but he got to make ROI as if he had put up the whole 150. Um, so some cool, cool things there. Uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. So you're just making a, a commitment. And then as you find those those deals and, and, you know, just all these other things come into play that are so important when it comes to managing a fund, understanding a fund, understanding ROI, because time is the most important part of that ROI equation. Uh, so, you know, we're looking at getting that 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 money to work. It's um, you know, how quickly, you know, what is we we're time we try to time it like we're we're doing our first deal right now in uh Pepe Six. I have them completing the LP and GP agreements at the same time that we're completing our first ROI. ROI, LOI. We're getting yeah. our first LOI done at the same time. So we can close both of those at the at the exact same time. The fund closes the same time we're closing our first deal. So one of the things um one of the LinkedIn users just asked is how do we re how do you refinance out of those short term funds? I'm thinking on exit. I, I, maybe I don't understand. Do you understand the question there? It's, I'll, I'll post it up there. So here's the question. Yeah. So I, I think that they're not completely like re, you could refinance, but you're you're most of the time you're just going to sell the business. Right. So a refinance might be um, in before you're going to sell. So it might be like we just did a deal uh, where we wanted some financing to actually, you know, so we bought a business and uh, this business in the art space. And then we had another business that we wanted to buy that was a great complimentary business with a great database and, and that kind of thing. So we got um, basically a refinance to get cash into the, the parent business to be able to use that to buy the next business. And so this is one of the things, you know, so again, some people may hear even those crazy returns and, and be like, oh, that's just nuts. Like no way that that's possible. But you know, when you take a deal like that, it's, you know, when you're, and you're looking at the ROI, the income that comes from that subsidiary business of the business that we acquired, that's infinite return. Cause we oh, use zero dollars yeah. from the fund to buy that. So you might use a refinance and something like that, but then when you're exiting those business, you just sell them at the end of the fund. Awesome. So we're at 53 minutes now. We probably need to make sure people know how to get. Yeah, no, I mean, we got into, it's like the deeper the rabbit hole goes, the more, that's why I've been trying to be careful. Like if I go here, then I got to explain 10 more things. Yeah. Well, we both love this topic. We both love helping people get involved in this topic. So with that passion, everybody's, I've, I've had people that never been on a podcast before and they're like, I don't know if I can do an hour. I was like, trust me, man, if you're excited about this industry, I'm going to have to cut you off at about 55 yeah. minutes. Right. So we're at this stage. We're at about the 55 minute mark. Uh, I have your uh, website up. It's, it's simply for those of you guys who are just listening to the podcast. It's simply ACE, A-C-E. 
Chapman, C-A-C-H-A-P-M-A-N, just like, like it sounds, .com. So acechapman.com. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. Uh, I, I didn't see a LinkedIn uh, in, in our notes, but you're probably on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah, you're right. We didn't send that. But, yeah, just so takes Chapman. Yeah, just, just jump right there on the website. Uh, you got a great YouTube channel with some content if people want to dive into that. Uh, so uh, that's kind of interesting is when I was trying to figure out what next to, to, to go to, um, I stumbled across your videos years ago. And it's one of the, you know, yours, uh, uh, Dan Locke, and a few other guys are the ones that like, man, I probably ought to take a look at this. Uh, I was just yeah. telling the, on the last episode of this, I, was, I, I told the story of I hired a performance coach and he, he, he told me one day, man, you should be playing a bigger game. Mm. Then every time I would close the house, you know, the, even if it was a big win and like there's this voice in the back of my head, but she should be playing a bigger game. Yep. So I started looking around years ago, even before I closed the in, uh, real estate investment group I had, um, you know, looking around what would be my next game. And that's how I come across your content and some of these other guys. So it's exciting to have you on here. Thank you for being on here. Is there any parting notes you want to say before we, uh, we shut this off? No, no. I think that's really a great note to, to end on, you know, yeah. when um, my mentors were telling me like, no, like you need to get into the private equity game. It's like, okay, even for me, like maybe a little bit of that was the intimidation or, or whatever, uh, going on this path to take a company public and getting that done. Like in each one of these cases, you know, it's like, okay, what's the next bigger game to, to be played, but trying to be smart about it. You know, I know for me and my personality, the $100 million fun game isn't a game that I want to play. I, I got to learn that at the $12 million level, like, wait a minute, like, no, this isn't <laughs> the life I'm trying to live. But figuring out what, what the game, just like you did, looking around, what's the game that I want to play? And then how do I play it on as big a level as possible? Man, I do appreciate you. Um, we're going to end the podcast right now. Hang out for a few seconds afterwards so we can wrap up a couple of things and, uh, uh, you know, answer any questions you might have about it. And uh, that's the podcast. Thank you guys for listening in. Thanks. The Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind. The Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind combines the traditional peer-to-peer -peer mastermind introduced first in Napoleon Hill's famous book, Think and Grow Rich, with accountability partnering where your peers help you ensure that you set goals, take actions, and get results. If you want to scale, blow past roadblocks, and achieve success faster than you might think is possible, I suggest you take a visit over to TIEPM.com. That's T I E pm.com and check out the investors and entrepreneurs professional mastermind.